you coming this morning. Coffee will be ready in a couple of minutes. Oh, sounds good. Mm -hmm. Now, I ran a sales report from the area. Wrote down a suggested asking price for the house. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Now, what did you say your husband did for a living? Um, well, we actually haven't talked about that, but he's a sales rep for Brightwell Pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. And uh, where did you say you attended church? Well, we occasionally attend Riverdale Community. Mm-hmm. So you would say you know the Lord? Yes, I would say I know the Lord. You think the Lord is okay with this asking price? Mm-hmm. And you have children? Miss Clara, my husband Tony and I have been married for 16 years. We have one daughter, her name is Danielle, and she's 10. She enjoys pop music and ice cream and jumping rope. Oh, well, that, that's good to know. Now, you say you attend church occasionally. Is that because your pastor only preaches occasionally? Miss Clara, I really would like to help you sell your house. That's why I'm here. As far as my faith is concerned, I believe in God just like most people. He's very important to me. Mm -hmm. Well, let me get our coffee. <laughs> 
So if I asked you what your prayer life was like, would you say that it was hot or cold? I don't know that I would say it's hot. I mean, we're like most people. We have full schedules. We work. But I, I would consider myself a spiritual person. I'm not hot, but I'm not cold either. Just, you know, somewhere in the middle. Here you go. I've got cream or sugar if you need oh, it. Oh, no, thank you. I like it black. Miss Clara, you like your coffee room temperature? No, baby, mine's hot. I think that's funny. <laughs> Anytime I drink coffee and it's lukewarm, it reminds me of that. And actually, it does prompt me to pray. <laughs> It's a good thing. Well, good morning to you all. Hi, Golden Bell. <laughs> you guys look refreshed, even though you've been super busy and crazy. So thanks for serving Jesus this summer. We're glad you guys were there. Well, welcome, everyone. We're so glad to see your faces this morning. That video was um, to try to um, encourage you so that um, we want you to know that we pray for you. We want you to know that you're invited to the prayer service on Wednesday nights. I also want you to be aware of the prayer cards on your seats. If you guys have prayer requests, please write them down. You can come and give them to me after the service. You can put them in the offering plate. Um, we want to pray for you. We take it serious. We have been having amazing prayer time on Wednesday nights. God is doing some amazing stuff. And um, if it's anonymous, just check the box, and it will not go past anybody but me and the staff. We will pray over it and make sure it's prayed over. So um, we take anonymous things very serious, and we want you to know that it will stay that way. But we want to pray for you, but we want you to be here to pray too. So um, one of the things I wanted to do to encourage you today is one of the requests that we had been praying for. Um, Kylie, you can put that up on the screen this is one of the miracles God is working. His name is Todd Winter. He is a friend of the King's. He went to school with uh, Luke King. He was in a horrible ATV accident um, around the first part of July. Um, he broke his hip, his pelvic bone. He broke his um, arm, his shoulder, his collarbone. He was in bad shape. They did not know he was going to make it. And this is the picture we got this week that he is doing so well. So he is really doing good. And then there was another picture that Larry actually sent me last night. We couldn't get it up here fast enough this morning, but he's with his wife and he's smiling. And um, <laughs> didn't he say he wanted to, um, he wanted to, he kept messing around with them while they were taking a picture and playing dead. <laughs> so he's got his humor back. So we're just so excited. We wanted to share that with you. Prayer is powerful. We believe in it and we know that God moves. So with that being said, would you guys stand with me? We're going to pray and welcome the Holy Spirit here this morning. And then we're going to give him our offerings or praise. Did you guys come ready to give him your heart this morning? Because that's what we're going to do. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning, Lord. We have been enjoying you since 730. And Lord, I'm so grateful for your presence here. I'm so grateful for your Holy Spirit being willing to dwell among your people. Lord, 
we want you to come here by invitation as well. We know that you're here, but we want you to feel welcome. We want you to know that we want you here, that we love you, and that we want to give you everything that we can possibly lay at your feet this morning, starting with our praises. So, Lord, be welcome in this place and hear your children, hear your people as we praise your name this morning. And God's people said, Amen.
something in common, and that's Jesus. How awesome is that? Oh, sometimes it's kind of lonely walking around, but this is a place it's not. Even if we have differences and we don't even know each other, we still have a common denominator, and he is amazing. You know, this morning I was listening to Francis Chan. Do you guys know who he is? Oh, if you don't, get to know him. You guys would love him. He's so good. Um, but he was talking about how every time he goes somewhere and he has a countdown clock on the back, I used to have to have a countdown clock at another church. It's a big red clock with huge red numbers that count down, and that's how much time you have. And they would set it for him at 40 minutes. And at that 40-minute mark, as soon as he saw it, he would start getting anxiety and panicky, and, and it makes you feel under pressure. But he changed his heart, and he changed his thought process to that clock and what he did with it is he said, that clock, when it sets at 40 minutes, that's the last 40 minutes of my life. And at the end of that 40 minutes, when I hit the zero mark, have I said everything I need to say to make sure people know Jesus? I thought, wow, that's a great way to think of a clock. Instead, we don't know the times that Jesus has for us or for the person around us. So it's super important for us to make sure that people know him and that people have a chance to know him by that. And I thought that was so neat. And I just started praying this week and asked him to set my soul on fire for that. And then that sermon came this morning. And I thought, oh, he's working. <laughs> he's doing something. So it was pretty awesome to do that. So um, that's what my prayer is for all of us this week, too.
Would you set us on fire this morning, Lord? These are your people, Father. And we know you have a call on us. You know this community needs you, that we need you, Jesus. And we love you, Lord. Lord, you have wanted to share with you guys this morning. In Isaiah, he says in Isaiah 41, it's like partway through nine here. says, I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, you are my servant. For I have chosen you, and I will not throw you away. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious hand. How awesome is that? That is his word, guys. We just spoke that out. That is his word, and he is powerful, and he has chosen us to tell people about Jesus, and there is nothing better than knowing him and loving him. And I want to remind you that he loves you, and I want to show him how much we love him by the way we treat each other, by the way we serve him, by the way our church is a house on a hill. We have a job to do here, and one of those things is to love people. And I think that's awesome to remember, but we need to love him first, and then he just pours out and it oozes out. I see lots of oozing out there. I've been oozed on by you guys. And I love it. (laughs) It makes me happy. And I want to ooze on you too. I want you to feel loved. I want you to know that I love you. And that you are special in this place and in his kingdom. And that he's working. I have seen him work. And it's beautiful. So let's love back on him this morning. Old things have passed Your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace remains the cornerstone. Things that we thought were dead are breathing in life. your son to shine in darkest nights. For all that you've done, we will pour out our love. This will be
are the King of Kings. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Father. We love sitting in your presence, Lord.
Lord Jesus. Thank you for letting us sit with you this morning, to be in your throne room, sit at your feet, even if we're weak, tired, and don't have much left. Lord, you can take it all. It belongs to you. Lord, this is the time that we come to give you ourselves. So I ask you, Jesus, to meet us where we're at. Each person in this room is different, but it's okay because you know us intimately. You are our Father, our Daddy, our Abba. And Lord, we can run to you with anything, and this is a time that we bring everything that we've got to give to you, Lord. It is not a checkoff on our week. This is a special time that we set aside to let you move, to let you do what you want in us. So, Lord, I'll be the first one to lay myself down and to say, pick me apart. Create in me a clean heart, Lord. Look into me and see what needs to be changed. Transform me to be more like you, Lord Jesus, but I need your help. Lord, we need your help. Help us to set ourselves aside to see what it is that you want to do in us, through us, around us. Lord, don't let the enemy come in and try to change that. He's a liar. He's not allowed here. He's not allowed to round your people, Lord. We've already prayed protection over everyone that came this morning and that's watching. Lord, we take that serious. We know that you gave us the authority to kick him out. So we're telling him to leave in the name of Jesus. And we're asking your spirit to take over and fill this place like the sun warms us. Lord, warm us from the inside out. The sun's only topical, but you work from the inside. And we thank you for loving us that much, to have patience with us, to walk through this with us, Lord. We know you're working, and we trust you. So, Lord, I'm getting in the boat with you. I know that you'll. I'll know. I know that you'll move. I know you'll get out on that water, and that I just need to keep my eyes on you. So that's what we're gonna do, Jesus. We're gonna trust you, as a people, as a church body. We trust you and your plan. So, Lord. Have your way this morning in us and in this place. And I pray we honored you and that you're proud of your kids. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Just a few things to go over with you guys so you're aware. We have our, our new superintendent is going to be staying in the parsonage for a little while until he can buy a house. So we're going to clean it up for him. So we're going to have a cleaning day on Tuesday. So if you guys would bring like vacuums and mops, things like that, just tools. We have the, the cleaning supplies. But we're going to clean that on Tuesday from 3 to 6 and make it nice and sparkly and shiny for them so he can have a place to stay while he's looking for a home. And then we have, let's see here, Scott leaves on Thursday with our high school group for Zuni. Would you guys commit to praying for them while they're gone? 
They have a big job coming up. It's going to be awesome. They're going to grow. We're going to pray for our teens' hearts to grow, to get rooted in Jesus. We're going to pray for the work that they're going to do there as they're serving Jesus and for those kids there that they get to know Jesus. So it's a big prayer list, but we want to make sure we keep them lifted up in prayer, safe travels, all those things. So it's a big plate, so I want to join in with them on that. And then let's see what else do we have here. We have the cleaning day. Zuni, and then I think we have a video that we're going to do during the offering. So we're going to do that in just a moment. So if I could have the ushers come forward, then we will take our offering, and the kids can come up and put your offering in, and then meet Miss McKenzie during that time as well. So I will pray over our offering. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gifts that you've given us, Lord. Um, Father, I pray that um, as your people give, that you will touch their hearts. Let them know that you you see them. Let them know that uh, you've got them. And Father, I pray that this will be used to further your kingdom. Lord, we know that you are our provider. So we trust you with that too. I pray that you will bless it and multiply it. And Lord, thank you for the giving hearts that you've given us. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So right before that, after the video, um, we will have Joel Garcia. They just finished their, their summer at Golden Bell. They're tired, but he is going to bring us God's word today. And um, he will come after the video. Hello, WLC family. As you know, treasure maps can sometimes take you in a very different direction. As I look at this treasure map, I'm seeing that actually, instead of us doing vacation Bible school from August 2nd through the 5th, we're actually going to do a fun family event calling it our WLC Fall Festival on Saturday, October 9th from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. This is going to be a great event where the whole family can get involved instead of just the kiddos. I want all of you to be able to participate from helping out in the different foods that we're going to have to the different games that we're going to have as we welcome families in our community. Plus, you'll have time to actually take your families to the event as well. I'll have sign-up sheets for you in the next two weeks, so make sure and watch out for that. But know that we are still going to be doing the treasured theme discovering that you are priceless to God throughout the entire festival. So everyone's still going to be able to have that fun time and us being able to fellowship together. So come join me on this journey as we not only connect as a church family, but we also connect with the families in our community. Get ready, because it's going to be exciting! It's good to be with you this morning, and um, I just want to give you a short or a quick update. Um, as we talked about, we've ended our resident camps for this last, this last week. We just re- uh, ended our resident camp, and i got to give a shout out to our staff. Um, we usually need 30 to 35 summer staff to work at the camp to take care of the many activities and the things that are taking place, and we've run about 12 the entire summer, and so these are them. And so would you thank them with me for the ministry and the work they've done at the camp all year? Um, 
Some exciting news just in the last two weeks as they have worked with our campers. We've had 42 conversions in two weeks. God is good. And we've seen some miraculous things take place as God has intervened in our behalf and has been with us. Um, I've, I've had several people ask me about an update on me. Um, and so if you didn't know, I had um, blood clots that went up through my leg and into my lungs. And long story short, I spent some time in the hospital. Um, on my release, I went to the doctor uh, for that wonderful checkup. And she said, do you understand how serious what happened to you was? And I said, well, I know it was serious. I'm not sure. She said, you were within an hour and a half of death. If you wouldn't have come in, you would have died. When you get that news, it gives you a little pers- different perspective on life, on what's important and what's not. And I think out of that, I share with you this morning this message um, on what seems sometimes hopelessness. I was in the pastorate and I received a phone call from an individual, and the person said, Pastor, my cousin who wasn't affiliated with the church at all. He said, my cousin has been flight um, lifted to Greeley Hospital. And um, it doesn't look good, and we're not really sure what the outcome is. They won't let anybody up there right now, but we're going to go up tomorrow. And he said, when you get a chance, can you come by the hospital to see us? So the next day, later in the afternoon, when it was clear that other people could come see him, I got up there, and much of the family was gathered. And they said, it's, it's, it's not looking good for him. Um, I talked with the mom and the family, and this was a 53-year-old man who had had complications with the tonsil removal, and then just several complications took place. And bottom line was, is at this point, he was on a ventilator, and it didn't look good. And so I asked the family if we could pray with him, and as we walked into the room, I'll be honest, as a pastor, you see many things over and over and over, and many times you look at him and say, okay, uh, I better pray for comfort more than anything in this situation. As we gathered around his bed, we grabbed hands, and I put my hand inside the man's hand, and as I began to pray, the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder and said, I want you to pray for complete healing of this man. Well, You know, you never want to look bad if something goes the opposite direction. And so I'll be honest, as I'm praying, I'm wrestling with God about what to say. Maybe you've had that in your life before. There's been a circumstance, situation, relationship that seemed hopeless. You might say that it was beyond repair. You might say that it's beyond the ability of what we have to take care of it. A financial situation that has become so doom and gloom that you think there's no way this will ever turn about. A friendship that has been so strained that you think everything I try just makes it worse and there is no restoring this relationship. You've prayed for a loved one for years and years and years that they might come to Jesus and they keep running in the opposite direction. Hopelessness. No matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, it just seems hopeless. I want to speak to you this morning on a passage of Scripture. 
It's found in Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel 37, as you turn there, I want to set the stage for us. Ezekiel's really broken up into four different sections. The first section is talking about Ezekiel and who he is as a prophet. How about how old he is as they're taken into captivity in the Babylonians. The second part is talking about Israel's um, rebellion against God and the punishment that God's giving them because of their rebellion against God. The third part, we see that they don't only talk about the rebellion of God, but there's this idea that God is the one true God and that all nations, all people will submit to His authority because they are under His authority whether they like it or not. And the fourth section, which is in the beginning of what we're going to talk about this morning, is the restoration of Israel. So if you have your Bibles and you turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning with verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me, and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord to set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones, and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons, and you will um, make flesh and come upon you and cover cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and I was... As I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and the tendons and the flesh appeared on them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say this, is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they might live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it's valid today as it was when it was written. I pray, Father, that you would open our hearts and our minds to the message you want us to hear. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. Touch my tongue to say what you want me to say and get me out of the way. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. In the first section here in verse 3, 1 through 3, we see that God takes him in this vision or in this time and he shows him these dry bones. There's no life, there's no sign of life there. And our, our experience would tell us that something bad has happened here. There's stacks and piles of dry bones in this valley. Our knowledge would tell us that the way the human body works, that even if there was even if there was flesh on these bones, that they still wouldn't be alive. Our understanding of how human life takes place, that when you put the pieces together and the bones together and the flesh together, there's still something missing, and that's the breath or our soul that lives within us. So my question to us this morning is this. 
Does the situation we find ourselves facing, no matter what it is, seem as if we're looking in the valley of dry bones? There's no life. Did you notice it didn't just say bones? It said dry bones. These things have been sitting there for a while. There's no sign of life. The marrow, everything as a part of this is gone. Gone. I've prayed for the loved one and they keep running from God. I don't know if there's any hope. I've tried to mend that relationship, but no matter what I do, it continues to fall apart. We take our reason and we take our experience and we take our ideas that we know and we try to inject them and try to project them on to the situation and in our minds. There's no hope. Do you know what I'm saying? Have you ever been there? When I walked into that room and saw that man laying on that bed, I'll be honest, I thought this prayer is going to be futile. Now I know that for many of you hearing this from a pastor, especially me, you're going to tell Pastor Scott, please don't send him if I'm in the hospital. The guy has no faith at all. God has helped me with this though as I've grown a little. He's helped me to understand that when God has ended, anything's possible. He's helped me understand that when I think all is lost, He is just beginning His work in the situation. You see, what's funny about this passage is after God shows Ezekiel the dry bones, then He asks him the question. What's the question He asks him? Do you think these bones can live again? What's Ezekiel's response? You, O Lord, only know. Hey, I want to ask you something. How many times do we pray prayers and we say, oh, and it's our way of copying out. Let's just be honest. Oh God, Your will be done. We know what God can do. We know that God created man. We know that God uh, split the, the sea for the Israelites to cross through. We know the miraculous things God has done, but somewhere in our faith, we step back and we say, well, God, <laughs> Your will be done. We know all the right answers. We, we, we understand what the right answers are, but so often our faith isn't caught up with what God's actually doing. And He stretches us. In verse 4 and 4 through 6, we see God makes the declaration of what He's going to do. And in this section, there's two important things we have to see because this is where we get messed up, church. I'm going to be real honest. This is where we mess up in every relation or in every situation. God tells Ezekiel, your job is to prophesy over the bones. Did you catch that? He didn't say, I want you to put the bones together. You're not going to go down there and do it. What's he tell him? Your job is to prophesy, to speak over the bones. If you go back to Ezekiel chapter 2, when, when the introduction of who Ezekiel is is taking place, it says, Son of man, stand up on your feet. I will speak to you. As, as he spoke, the Spirit came on me and he raised me to my feet and I heard him speak to me. 
You'll love this. I know that none of you have ever been put in this position, but listen to what God tells him. Son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites to a rebellious nation has rebelled against me and their ancestors have revolted against me to this very day. The people to whom I am sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, whether they listen or whether they fail to listen, they are rebellious people. They will know that a prophet has been among them. Now listen, this is important. Listen. <laughs> you son of man, do not be afraid of their words. Do not be afraid though briars and thorns are all around you. You live and you may live among the scorpions. Praise God. We just get to get poked and prodded and stung. Amen. But do not be afraid. Although they say terrible things about you. I don't know what God's trying to convince Ezekiel of here. You ever been in a situation like that, Larry? <laughs> Do not be afraid. Then he says this, You must speak My Word to them, whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. But you, Son of Man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like that rebellious people. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. From the beginning, Ezekiel's job is to speak not his opinion, not his desires, not what he thinks is best. What's his job? Is to speak what God gives him to speak. I miss that sometimes. You ever miss that? I miss that sometimes. Sometimes I speak what I want to speak and I don't speak what God wants me to speak. And I try but I miss it sometimes. So, Ezekiel's job is to speak what he's told to speak. His job is to listen to the Holy Spirit. And his job is then to tell the people what he's supposed, they're supposed to do. What's God's job in this? Then God says, I will breathe. I will make breath enter them and will give them life. I will attach the tendons and will make the flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will breathe life into you. And then, then, they will know that who is God? That He is God. Oftentimes, do we try to turn that around? We want to be the doers. We want to be the fixers. We want to figure it out. And we switch that around and all the time our job is to listen to the Holy Spirit, move in step with the Holy Spirit, do what He's calling us to do, and let God do the other work. Verses 7 and 8, we see that Ezekiel prophesies and the bones begin to come together and the body begins to form in its pieces and all of those things take place. And then verse 9 and 10 this is so important and it makes me excited every time I think about it. Then Ezekiel prophesies and the breath enters the body. In verse 9 it says, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds. Breath. And the Greek word here is used in a couple other passages that I want to take us to real briefly. 
This, 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 uh, this Hebrew word is, is talking about the breath of God, is talking about the life giver and, and also the loss. We see it in other passages. We see this first in Genesis 7 where God takes man and He forms him. And what does He do? He breathes. But it's not just a breath. It's not just any breath. It's the breath of God. And we see it in Job 31. When life is ending, it's the same word used. And guess what? When we translate it into the Greek, into the New Testament, in Acts chapter 2, do you know what the same word is? It's the same word that falls on Pentecost. (laughs) And the breath of God comes And the holiness of God comes. And what happens at Pentecost? Thousands are saved because of the work that takes place. Because what was dead and gone, breath of God came into and made alive. As Ezekiel tells, the breath of God comes and these bones come to life and they stand up and it's a a mighty army. This is what happens when God's involved in the situation. This is what happens when we stop trying to figure it out ourselves and we start putting it on Him and saying, God, it's dry, dusty, and dead. I don't know what to do with it anymore. So, so, so what do we do with this? What does all of this mean to us this morning? I'm... Real briefly, I'm going to go over this. First, it means, first, it means this. When we look at a dead situation that we think is dead, it's not dead until God calls it dead. The second thing we have to realize is our job is not always to come up with the repairs and the fixes to the situation. Our job is to get on our face before God and listen to what He's telling us to do so that when we enter the situation, when we enter the circumstances, when it seems so bad and out there, the words that are being spoken are not mine or your words, but they come from the heart of God. Our job is not to fix the situation. Our job is to be responsible to the Holy Spirit's moving in our lives. God's job is to bring life. Anyone that's here knows that when you came to a place through the relationship with Jesus Christ, there was nothing you could do, there was nothing you could say, there's no works you could perform to ever come to a place that you could ever make it on God's good side. It was only through the shed blood of Jesus dying on the cross for your sins and mine that we are heirs of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's no work of mine, no work of yours that can get us there. And whenever we're dealing with a situation that seems so dire, so great, that there's no hope, the only hope is Jesus Christ. The only hope that can bring death to life is the power of the King. So, with all of that, what is our response? 
Where do we go with this, with the situation in our lives? First, we have to recognize that whatever the situation is, we got to stop focusing on that situation and we got to stop focusing on how big that problem is and recognize how big the God that we serve is. Sometimes we got to let go of things. We've got to let go of the past. We've got to let go of what we thought should have been done. We've got to let go of what we think needs to happen. We've got to let go of all of that. And we've got to step back. And we've got to recognize that the breath of God breathes life into anything. As I entered that room and I began to pray, as a little younger of a preacher guy that day, I grabbed hold of Johnny's hand. Johnny was 53 years old. He had had a tough life. I know I'm not supposed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. None of the family except for that cousin were churchgoers. And sometimes you're just not sure how to pray or how to enter a situation like that. Are they going to accept a prayer? Are they going to accept you as a pastor? What, what, what do you do? As I began to pray, the Holy Spirit got louder and louder in my mind and said, Joel, you've got to say it. You know you've got to say it. And it just came out. God, we ask for complete and total healing of Johnny's body. And then this fell out, which was stupid, and we believe it's so. And you know what happened at that moment in time? Johnny moved. We finished praying and everybody that had their hands on Johnny felt him move. Well, scientifically and the way the body works, it could have just been one of those last minute things. I was on my way to Colorado Springs from that hospital visit and I received a phone call. Johnny is awake. The ventilator's out. Two days later, Johnny was released from the hospital. He spent a week in recovery. Johnny showed up at church. Johnny accepted Christ that Sunday. You see, I was worried about whether or not the prayer I had to offer to God was going to work. God was worried about Johnny's eternal destiny. I was worried about what everybody else would say or think of the stupid preacher. God was worried about one of his children making it home. And so this morning, whatever situation that's in your way or you're facing or you're dealing, 
I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to ask you to prophesy over it and say, God, we know you're a God that can move mountains. We're going to ask you to move this one in our lives. Worship team, as you come, I don't know where you're at this morning. I I don't know what you're facing this morning. I don't know what circumstances are in your way. I don't know how bad it is. But what I can tell you is the life breather wants to partner with you. The Easter before I took the position at Golden Bell, we baptized Johnny. As he climbed down in the old cow trough in the front of that sanctuary, he said, Preacher, I don't know if I'm going to fit. I said, Johnny, we'll make you fit. Just get in, the, just get in there. <laughs> he still had oxygen. He forgot to take his oxygen off. We had to take that off. It was a mess. I'm going to give a warning to you that don't like things happening in the sanctuary. Get over it because it was an amazing Sunday. The sanctuary was packed. And, the, and, and there was a platform right here and the, 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 the barrel sat there and Johnny climbed inside of it and our speakers, you know you don't mess with the sound guy stuff, the speakers were on the side. And Johnny's cousin that had been praying for him came and I said, I'm going to need your help getting Johnny down and back up. He said, let's do it. And I grabbed hold of Johnny's head and I put my hand over his face, and I said, in the name of the Father, and before I could say in the name of the Son, Johnny plunged himself under. An explosion happened, and we had water running down the sanctuary into the front pews. And the crowd erupted. Because what was dead physically and spiritually was made alive. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Do you want a touch from the Holy Spirit? Then I'd ask you to be submitted to His will. I ask you to surrender whatever it is that's holding you back. Maybe it's disbelief that God can actually move in the way that He wants to move in your life. As the musicians start playing something, I just wonder if we can take a moment and I want to pray for you. And if you feel God tugging at your heart, or there's a situation, there's something in you. There's altars up here. Hey, listen. There's no better place than with the family of God to come to the Father and say, God, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes myself. But I believe that the life giver wants to renew something in my life. I believe that the life giver wants to, to take what was dead Bring it back to life. Would you trust God this morning with that? Whatever that is, nobody has to know your business. Would you trust God and come and take some time and say, God, here I am. Maybe it's hopeless and tired. Would you come and give it to the Holy Spirit this morning? Father, we just thank you for each person that's here. There's been such a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. God, we welcome you here and we thank you for coming. 
And Father, you know what's on individuals' hearts. And we don't have to know that stuff. But God, we know that your desire is to give us life. That's why you sent your son to die on the cross was not to just save us from our sins, but to give us a life that could be full and free. So this morning, Father, we asked that you would come and meet with your people. You know their hearts. You know their burdens. You know their trials. You know their circumstances that seem beyond what they can bear. And Father, this morning, we pray that you would breathe your breath of life into them. And that they would have a fresh sense of your spirit. That they wouldn't walk out of this place. And when they walk out of this place, they've had an encounter with the Most High God. They have a new hope, a new perspective, a new outlook, because you've met with them here. Just in the quietness, we just want to give some time to pray.
dry bones and flesh them up, breathe life into them and send them out to win people for you, Lord, by loving on them, by praying over them, and doing what it is that you ask us to do. Let us respond with obedience to you, Jesus, even if it seems so far out of our reach. We know you can do all things trust you. Be with us this week, Lord. Don't let this stop here and now. Let your spirit move in us as we leave this place and go back to our standard lives. Lord, I want to be changed when I walk out these doors. We have a job to do and the clock is ticking. So Lord, let us love each other as we leave through this week, Lord, let us come in line with your word. Let us do what you want to do, not our own agendas, but what you want to do in and through us. Lord, we love you. Everybody say, we love you, Lord. We do love you, Jesus. Be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You guys have a wonderful day. God, go with you. Thank you for being here. And we will pray with you if anyone needs any prayer after the service. Questions are gone.